Welcome to the Deeper Into the Woods podcast. I'm so excited that you're here with us today. It's a very, very special day in the Deeper Into the Woods podcast because we have the one and only, the man, the personality, the business, Wes Herman, our co our, our co-founder. <laughs> Me and him, no. <laughs> our founder, CEO, Wes Herman. Also, Kelly's dad, my father-in-law, family business, you know. So we're super excited to have you here today, Wes. Um, I think we could just start right off the bat and just start to get to know you a little bit. Um, for those of us that are listening that don't know you, I know you, but people might not. So um, why not just give us a little bit of your upbringing, maybe like start at childhood. I know you're from, you've been in various different countries and things like that. Um, just give us a little bit of your background. Happy to. Yep. So I was uh, born in Canada. Uh, mother country is to the north. And then uh, immediately uh, my parents took me to Columbia, South America when I was six months old. Uh, and so most people think there's a natural connection between Columbia and coffee. And uh, there probably should have been, but uh, there's not. And it has no bearing. Uh, but uh, came back to the United States when I was seven. Uh, had a great time in Colombia, uh, learned uh, a second language, uh, English, because Spanish was my first language, and then uh, uh, have uh, really no accent to show for it, which is pretty impressive. Uh, but, uh, you or know. a huge bummer, however yeah, exactly. you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that was uh, the early years, and then grew up in Southern California uh, after that, yeah. and uh, that's a, a majority of my life was uh, Southern California, where um, I grew up, met my wife. Uh, had four children uh, before relocating to uh, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So that's in a nutshell, man. That was that's fast. a very Quit. small nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so you you've always been sort of I think you've been duped as serial entrepreneur. Um, you've started businesses, um, jumped to new things. Um, what what is the thing that has kind of kept you into uh, seeking after entrepreneurship rather than just going and working for a company or mm-hmm. something like that? That's a great question. I was asked early on uh, when I first got married by my wife and she said, so is it going to be that you work at a job for 30 years and you retire and that's going to kind of be the routine? And I said, mm, I don't think so. Uh, I said, uh, I was the first in my family to say, I'm the first not to go to college yeah. uh, because uh, that was not in uh, my best interest or the interest of the professors. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I really uh, had a strong desire to uh, be done with school early and uh, yeah. get on to with my life and get busy doing something that uh, I felt was more meaningful than sitting in a classroom. So uh, uh, when I graduated from high school, uh, my friends were all um, going off to college. And so what I decided was I needed to have four goals or goals that I could achieve in four years so that uh, when they returned from school, uh, I'd have something to show for it. So um, my first goal was to be married. The second goal was, uh, and, and the, really the driving factor of being married was, I'd heard something or read something that, that uh, said that you're most successful if you're married. You make more money in your lifetime. So I thought, okay. Statistically. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so aside from that, found the perfect woman, uh, 40 years now married. You know, that's yeah. pretty impressive. Uh, so uh, goal number one was to be married. The second was to own a home. 
Um, the third was to own a business, and I really didn't know what that meant. Uh, but I knew that it was something I wanted to achieve because I had seen uh, other people who had owned businesses and they looked successful. They had the things that I thought I wanted. Yeah. And uh, and then the fourth goal was to own a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> and uh, so if I could achieve those all by the time I was 21, then that was exactly uh, where I needed to be. And uh, th- those were the driving factors. So got married, um, bought a home. And, uh, and then uh, right after we married, the business I was working in, which was a cabinet shop, came up for sale. And I told my wife, I said, uh, hey, you know, I probably need to uh, buy this business. And she said, well, what's that mean to own a business? I said, I have no idea. We're, yeah. we're, we're 21. I mean, we, we don't know much about anything. And so uh, we did. And then uh, six months into that business, uh, my bank account was fat. And uh, I was able to buy the Mercedes, and you check off all the goals. Twenty-one, got them all done. So six months in to the business, yeah. yeah. But then, did you start off with some money, or did it? No, uh, to, to buy the business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. I um, had watched uh, my father, who was really good at figuring out how to use other people's money to um, achieve goals, and so um, we had some very. Uh, uh, great help from from people that we knew that said hey we believe in what you're doing and um, uh, here's some money go go do it and uh, if my landlord uh, my first landlord would have uh, believed in me like those people did it would be a home run but uh, he didn't think it was going to (laughs) work he didn't think I'd succeed and was not going to lease me the building and uh, so had to figure out how to you know overcome that and uh, eventually he was good with it and uh, we started business career so back to the idea of serial entrepreneur yeah Um, that was the first business and then uh, uh, I've either owned or started uh, seven different businesses and um, had a great time doing that I um, early on I thought you know life is too short to just do one thing I want to do multiple things Mm -hmm. Uh, but really now it's uh, come kind of come full circle I, I really love what we're doing at the woods coffee this has been the most meaningful part of my career and um and definitely the most successful part of my career so i'm really um, enjoying it and who wouldn't enjoy uh working with your family and you know even you i mean you know married in uh, it's it's awesome even me not yeah. everyone enjoys working with their family no no yeah, some of our family that doesn't going. like working with yeah. our family but <laughs> exactly it's okay but for the most part you know that's uh uh, a rewarding experience, uh, uh, and, and uh, whether you realize it or not in the moment, I think that those things are generationally uh, rich with lots of history uh, in a family dynamic. So yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying it and, uh, uh, you know, working it for all it's worth. Yeah, it's okay. So um, I want to take you back to when you were talking about your goals. Yeah. When you were 21, you wanted to, you know, own a home, get married start a business, own a Mercedes. And that was, I think in your eyes at that point, was that what success looked like? Mm. And now how has that changed from then when you're 21, those are your goals. That's what maybe success looked like for you. Now we're here, Woods Coffee, family business. Mm -hmm. How is success or the idea of what success looks like for you? Has that changed? Yeah. Well, uh, first, let me put that in context. When I set those four goals, I was 17 years old. So, you know, like you don't have a lot right. of thought, you know, like these, like you see things and you say, oh, yeah, I want that, yeah. that, you know, and, and you kind of pick and choose. Um, and, and it was really funny because none of them got achieved until I was 21. You know, like it all happened at once. So I put in four solid years of hard work to get to the point where we could achieve all those four goals at once almost. Yeah. And uh, uh, so that was 
totally fun. Now, uh, those were simple goals, right? They, they didn't necessarily mean success. Uh, they were the beginning of a lifelong drive towards success. Sorry. Uh, and uh, so uh, today, uh, success looks a lot different. Like uh, in, in those days when I talk about, you know, achievements and doing things and making enough money to buy Mercedes Benz and those type of things, those are not necessarily the, the driving factors in, in business. Uh, and I've learned uh, early on and still to this day that the driving factors are really success means doing things that are significant and achieving things with others uh, is so much more rewarding than uh, uh, than making money or any status that comes along with that. So I, that that's the kind of stuff that drives me to this day and I really enjoy. So we've had... Um, about 17 years of now kind of history from starting the business up to up until now. Um, and as you think back on those years um, and you think about how you envisioned Woods being back then and how it is today, is that the same picture or is has it like completely... Um, become something that you didn't expect or imagine? Yeah. Well, um, the truth is that we set uh, a goal of, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say goal. We wrote a business plan. Yeah. And uh, when I speak to uh, various groups and uh, maybe younger kids that want to learn about business, it's uh, all about setting that business plan and uh, deciding what you're going to do so you can achieve uh, certain things. And in our case, uh, that business plan has been our roadmap. And although uh, we, we, we actually wrote things down and we just made decisions based on what we were going to do uh, because it was probably a year before we opened, so 18 years ago. Yeah. Um, it's all falling into uh, place, and um, including uh, multiple locations. That's a big driver in any business. And um, uh, I get people asking me all the time, like, how do I get to a place where I can do multiple you know, locations and do this type of thing. And I say, that's not necessarily what you should be aspiring to do. Uh, it has to fit into your business plan. Does it work to do multiple locations? Yeah. In our case, uh, we've been blessed to have a family that was involved in it that allowed us to do what we're doing. I, I, it would be much more complicated to do without the family involvement. Yeah. So, but from the beginning, yes, it was always about doing multiple locations, and uh, uh, and what we've achieved over this last 17 years mm -hmm. is pretty much in keeping with what we had envisioned. Uh, I, would you agree with that, Kelly? Yeah, for sure. I think that I don't know if my thought process 18 years ago. I was also only 17 years old at that point. Um, if I thought beyond maybe 10 or 12 stores, like mm -hmm. I think the future then for me was like maybe that size of a company. So I think that now that we've gone beyond, and obviously through the years, the, the dream gets bigger and grows with our growth for sure. me. Um, but I don't think I necessarily thought, oh yeah, 18 years from now, we're gonna have 350 employees and we're gonna have 18 locations. We're gonna be down in Bellevue, you know, all of those things, right. necessarily the details, maybe not so much. But I think the dream of multiple locations and having a sustainable business for our family was always part of the plan. Yeah. even 18 years ago. The, fun, the funny thing about that is like, if you just start rolling and you talk that that's how it's going to go, yeah. it just kind of happens, right? And yeah. it's it's not like we have to uh, have some uh, barriers or automatic stop points or anything like that. It's just like, hey, we talk about it and everybody says, well, I guess that's what we're supposed to do. And we just kind of keep growing. 
and uh, uh, and I think it still does. Uh, it's it, I am no different today than I was back then in terms of uh, my drive and ambition to grow. Uh, I should be at a point where I'm I'm probably pulling back and saying, oh no, no I don't want to take the risk. Uh, but I'm all in. I'm, I'm willing to take the risk, and I want to go all in, and I want to keep growing at uh, the same rate or faster than we have in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think, like, especially within the woods and companies in general, because you had mentioned other other business owners kind of coming to you for some wisdom because you've kind of been through it. Um, but it seems like you talk about this point where there's like critical mass in a business where you are uh, just, you know, grinding, grinding, grinding. And then all of a sudden now, like you have come to a, a spot where the momentum starts to right. go for itself. Um, uh, and you talked about it in the context of you know, should we do multiple locations or not? But even if there's not multiple locations and not physical growth, like talking about sales growth or um, product growth, um, could you speak to that a little bit? Like when you talk about, or when you hear the term critical mass, um, like where, how, how was it for Woods and how, mm-hmm. you know, where did we find that sort of place where we started to build momentum? Yeah. Uh, it's a great question and a great point because a, a lot of, what we did uh, in the early years was just uh, survival, yeah. you know, and, and you do things uh, just out of a need to make sure that tomorrow we're going to be still be open yeah. and uh, that we, you know, had enough guests to uh, serve that uh, allowed us to make enough money to pay the people that were working. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, it becomes one of those uh, things. Uh, so critical mass for me uh, is where do you get to the place where financially it's more secure and um, that there's the right people in the right seats on the bus to move forward in the correct fashion. So uh, a lot of what we do with critical mass had to be, you know, like, when can we hire that next person that's going to do this? So we're not having to wear all the hats, but that, you know, we can take one hat off and somebody else is doing something else and and allows us to um, grow at a faster rate because now you're bringing in people that have expertise in areas that you may have just filled a role, Yeah. right? And it seems like that's constant, right? Like you're always having to put that one more person in place to take responsibility from someone else to free that person up to work on growth in their area. Um, And I think we're still in that place. Like as a company, we're always sort of pivoting into um, like where where's the next push? Like what do we have to come up against next? Right. And so. Right. We're trying to predict that with our growth because I think that mm -hmm. we also hit these sort of tipping points. You know, I remember that at like location number five, we could open up to five stores, but at five stores felt like this new territory we were entering where we needed more support for those five stores. Mm -hmm. We couldn't just do it all on our own. Mm -hmm. And then we've hit those markers along the way. So it's almost like you're kind of always running up against until you get to that tipping point and then you're sort of in this new growth phase again where you may be having to add support or things just look a little different than they did before. Yeah. But don't don't lose sight of the, uh, the fact. Excuse me. <clears throat> don't lose sight of the fact that um, it wasn't until we hit store number six that I actually was working full time for the company. Right. I was oh, yeah. probably working for yeah. full time for the company. More than but full-time. <laughs> I had a other full time job yeah. that paid me uh, so that I could afford to 
grow the company and that, you know, we didn't have to um, uh, put a stranglehold on the company with, with having to make enough money to pay me. So um, I worked a full-time job and uh, uh, did, uh, you know, some, some uh, ridiculous things to try and make it all work and pull it all together. Yeah. And uh, that gets lost, you know, at, at, at some point. And, uh, but it's a good reminder. Yeah, I think that's huge because um, I think there's there's a pool of entrepreneurs out there or want to be entrepreneurs, people who are aspiring to do that, but they might not know that. That you, so they they would see Woods as a success possibly, and um, they might think, oh yeah, you know, from the get go it was it was easy peasy, you know, or there was. Um, you know, Wes was making money from day one, you know, but no, you're saying you worked a full-time job, hustled on the side to start Woods Coffee with the family and grinded it for years and years before. I mean, store six, that's how many years in is that? That's Mm -hmm. like at least... Well, about five years. Five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he even worked, and my mom worked on the floor as baristas for years. Yeah. You know, I (laughs) I remember that. He'd be like, you're working the Friday night shift because we're all teenagers and we want to go hang out with our friends, you know, and he would (laughs) do it. And sometimes you'd get into some situations. Yeah. Sticky nonetheless. Yeah. No, it was fun. But those are, you know, those are good things. Part of our memory, part of our our history. It gets lost, though, uh, with currently um, how people view the company. Because people view the company as always existing and always being at a certain size and and success. Mm -hmm. Whereas um, every single company starts very small and grows. And uh, and some don't grow, some some fail. So we've been blessed to uh, succeed. That's a uh, a big deal. Yeah. But you know, even going back, like in the very beginning, I know uh, Kelly and I. You know, we have great memories of some of the stuff we did. And uh, when you talk about you know uh, different shifts and all the stuff that we would do, uh, we didn't know what we we're doing, and it was all about. Um, how do we grow with the people that are coming into our stores? And fortunately, that was a very small number of people, and then it grew, right? And so the the, the amount of people that grew with us, uh, they truly saw, saw us grow, and they enjoyed being part of that uh, growth process as well. Yeah, absolutely. Starting in Linden, yeah, it was fun, and there were the early days where we would... Um, yeah, only serve a couple of guests a day, so we could kind of get it figured out. Well, it was really probably more than a couple. Of okay, maybe a <laughs> couple an hour. Couple. Yeah, couple an hour. <laughs> Two guests a yeah. day. Yeah. Well, but then it grew quickly, right? People like caught on to it, and it was kind of fun to to be able to do that. Though, I think if we would have opened our doors day one with crowds of people, we might have failed. Yeah, yeah, you get a little bit too um, used to that, you know, and, and you you work, you lose the work ethic almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but you hit on a really cool point um and i think it's just probably your personality and who you are but um but i believe others can learn how to do this well too is it seems like you have always um just thrown yourself at something and just gone for it um sort of like just risk it all like let's let's try this i mean you know obviously you didn't like you you had a job at the very beginning and you made sure that your family is taken care of you're not reckless but you're taking a big risk. Um, has that always been who you are, or is that something that you've just sort of had to develop as as an entrepreneur? I think all entrepreneurs uh, don't have a plan B. You know, yeah. it's all about plan A. All or nothing. Yeah, and uh, uh, so that's part of the bootstrapping. You know, like uh, we, we've 
you know, talking about uh, prepping for this podcast about how, um, you know, we started this business partnering with somebody that brought $23,000 into this business because that's what we needed to make this thing go. Yeah. And, um, and, and that seems ridiculous at this point. Uh, but it shows you how you can take very little and turn it into something just by drive and ambition yeah. and, and saying, there's no uh, failing at this. We're going to succeed mm-hmm. and uh, pushing through that. Um, you know, we've, we, uh, we, this has not been the easiest road, right? In the beginning years, this was hard. And, uh, um, you know, the week before, uh, we opened the first store, this was meant to be that I had a, a, a job and I did have a good job. And, uh, that, that, uh, job that I had was supposed to pay me so that we could start this company and, and be successful. And a week before we opened uh, our first store, uh, the uh, people that uh, uh, I was working for decided that uh, it'd probably be better if I uh, didn't work for them. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I was fired from that job. The only the only job I've ever been fired from, and it was kind of weird, you know. But uh, you know, it was what it was. And uh, so then I had to create something that allowed me to have some income mm-hmm. and uh, to replace that. Uh, so that we could grow this company. So that's where uh, this idea, uh, I I actually bought another small company so that I could work in that company Mm -hmm. to allow us to grow. Uh, Another one where, you know, like when I say we bought another company, I didn't have the money to do that, Uh, but I partnered with somebody who had a little bit of money and it didn't take much, but we turned it quickly and it started making money. And that business was successful. It allowed me to do what we were doing. Yeah. So you're you're now getting into some really cool territory that I think a lot of people could learn from. Um, is that sort of like you say? Yeah, we found a person who would you know partner with us. Like that in and of itself is like a huge thing, right? Mm-hmm. How how does how does that happen? So is it relationships? Is it just you know like asking you know ten fifteen people? You know what does that look like? You're obviously selling a dream or selling a vision right, right. to someone um, that you hope will invest in the company. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Yeah. And you're selling your dream, right? Yeah. You're, it's not like it's their dream, uh, but they, they, they see it for what it's worth and that you maybe have a successful track record or you have a great idea. Yeah. Uh, 90% of all small businesses that start, uh, start with money from friends and family. And um, that's a, a key um, factor uh, because usually those people believe in you the most. Yeah. And, um, and it usually is uh, sometimes blindly they're willing to trust you. And uh, in, in my case, it was about, you know, I had a solid business plan that said, here's the model, here's what we're going to do, and this could work. Uh, we actually partnered with somebody who had no intention of ever drinking a cup of coffee <laughs> and uh, didn't understand that, but understood the uh, basics of how this could work. Yeah, and, uh, understood uh, the numbers. Yeah, exactly. So uh, when, when it comes to, uh, you know, anybody who's listening and, you know, has a desire to start their own business, uh, it all comes down to having a good solid plan and then finding the right people to invest with you. And uh, one key distinction is um, there's a factor that happens when you're starting a business. And that is you've got a great idea and usually the money is the missing component in most small businesses startup. And so uh, that money becomes ultimately important. And oftentimes as an entrepreneur, you sell your idea um, just to get that money. 
and and oftentimes you you uh, give away too much of the business to to make that happen. So I encourage people to negotiate that and negotiate wisely, yeah. uh, so that you actually end up with uh, uh, the best possible deal for you. Because the idea will live long before the money uh, run, money run out faster than the idea. The idea yeah. continues on, yeah. and then you develop a, a bad uh, you know thought process around the you know that what that money meant and it's never a, a good place to be we were fortunate enough that uh, at about a year and a half in um, the investor that uh, had put up money decided that we were going too fast and we we're growing too big and uh, he wanted to be bought out mm-hmm. and so we did that and uh, the benefit to us as uh, a company as a family has been huge because of that yeah as, yeah. as it pertains to retaining ownership yeah retaining ownership yeah. and gaining back a hundred percent of the business yeah crazy um, yeah, see, I feel like I'm learning stuff yeah. right now, too. It's really cool. Um, and so, and then you, you talk about um, sort of the nitty-gritty, um, you know, like working out the deal in the beginning. Like, you talk about the deal, like what kind of deal are we getting? Um, but you, right now, in the company are really the main player when it comes to um, seeking um, and finding new locations for woods mm-hmm. um, and dealing with lease negoci- negotiations, um, you know, all those things that go into that, which is a world that I fully don't understand at all. Um, but, and I think it's confusing to a lot of people. Um, so without like giving away all our secrets, like what are some of the things that Man, if I'm going out there... I have no secrets, by the way. Perfect. If I'm going out there and I want to start a juice shop or something, um, like, what am I looking for? Like, when I go out and I meet with a landlord or something, what do I need to be looking for and what do I need to stay away from? Yeah. Boy, that's... uh, uh, Those are a lot of interesting questions there. (laughs) Um, And uh, and by the way, let's not forget to go back to that original start and some of the uh, things that we had to overcome because I think that uh, every business that starts has to overcome a lot of obstacles. And uh, in our case, we had more than our fair share. And uh, uh, it's only by the grace of God that we succeeded. So... um, uh, but going back to your question about what are you looking for, uh, if I'm starting a business, uh, I think one of the key factors that, that most people fail is that initial negotiation for the space that you're going to occupy. Because most people think like, oh, that's a space, it costs X, and I just need to sign. Yeah. And um, Whereas they don't understand that all those things are negotiable, mm-hmm. and that uh, um, that's probably the place where you'll either make it or break it. And um, so uh, a lot of times I will enter into situations with uh, people who, you know, are talking about starting a business or are going to buy a business. And we talk about those particular points because it's the foundation. Because once you have that foundation laid for how much it's going to cost you to uh, lease the space, what's it going to take to uh, put whatever you're putting into the space. Yeah. And then, you know, how does all that, that lay out? That's the foundation as to whether you're going to make it or break it. So um, we, we at this point, uh, spend an inordinate amount of time 
uh, develop, and we've developed a system internally uh, with Colin, who has come up with a, a brilliant uh, no, go no go uh, form that you put in certain criteria, and then it either gives us a green light or red light, yeah. and then uh, and then it becomes a negotiation. How can we manipulate some of these uh, areas to see if we can get it in the green? Yeah, if it's and, a red light, yeah. something needs to how, change. How red is it? Yeah, you know, <laughs> is it just uh, orange? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it's uh, kind of one of those. Fun things. Uh, I, I probably enjoy uh, that as much as I do anything else yeah. uh, because I love real estate and I like uh, learning about uh, some of those aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, for a guy that doesn't like to get too deep into the details, because uh, that's <laughs> there's a lot of detail in there. Uh, it's it's fun, and uh, trust me, uh, I'm surrounded by people who um, continually are able to look at the the factors that I may oversee or, yeah. or miss out on that can give me better direction. Yeah, you've surrounded yourself with a really good team, and I think that's key too, is getting people on your team that are different than you and yeah. see things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, um, why don't we transition into a little bit more of a, um, uh, what are some of the things that that have been really tough to overcome You know, in our trajectory of business 17 years a lot has happened a lot of good things have happened and a lot of not great things have happened too um what are what's like one that sticks out as like man we had to overcome this or you know or we're overcoming this yeah like what's kind of the biggest thing we've had to jump over i spilled a gallon of milk no (laughs) that's not it uh (laughs) There's no good That's use every there. single day. Yeah. <laughs> There's no point in crying over that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is, that's one of the funnier things that happens. So it's like when somebody fills their shoe with a gallon of milk. Uh, I've know, done that's, that. Yeah, me that's too. funny. I've had I've, it all over my f- clothes. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I've filled my shoe with ice cream base, which is even more fun. Yeah. So, yeah, that, those are incidental uh, contact things that happen. <laughs> it's kind of fun. So uh, the biggest obstacle we ever had to overcome, you know, here we are, we start this business, uh, and I told you about, you know, uh, losing uh, my job that was supposed yeah. to be the, the buffer and the ability. Right before we to, open. Yeah, right yeah. before we open. And then it was, uh, um, how do we um, make this company work? And then it's, you know, lots of, various factors that come along the way. Yeah. Um, uh, so at year one, we'd open two stores uh, because part of our business plan was that we were gonna open multiple locations. Mm-hmm. And we had identified two locations that we really wanted and one was uh, already uh, under contract with Starbucks. And so we chose the other one, which was brilliant uh, that uh, we were forced into that. It wasn't brilliant on our part. It just worked out, and it worked out brilliantly because it's a it's a great site and allowed us to have a a sit down location with drive through, which in those days was actually a newer concept. Uh, you weren't seeing that. You were either seeing drive through, you're seeing sit down, but the combination of those two was just starting to come around, and so uh, that was a lot of fun and gave us a, a an opportunity. Six months in, uh, we opened our second location, which was that Starbucks location that they gave up on. And uh, so uh, in the same town of Linden, you know, at that point, 6,000 people. So now here we are trying to run two businesses and later on three businesses in the town of Linden with 6,000 people. Uh, And and we weren't the only game in town. There were a couple other uh, coffee shops. So, you know, those are some of the factors that we came up against in terms of competition, learning the marketplace, learning how we can pull this off. And then eventually it, uh, it, uh, uh, we prove ourselves and then we can go to, 
Bellingham, you know, the big city of Bellingham, and uh, what's that going to be like? And believe it or not, we talked about that. You know, like this is unbelievable <laughs> that we're going to have a chance to go to Bellingham, yeah. and now that seems so like way back. Yeah. Uh, but uh, back to your question. So at year one, we opened two stores, and um, um, I went away to federal prison, and uh, I went away for, to federal prison for a year. Yeah. Uh, and so um, I'm supposedly the brains of the organization. <laughs> supposedly. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> like so that. I have to step out for a year. And uh, I've got a young family, younger than they are now, mm -hmm. uh, a wife uh, and four children that uh, they're going to be left behind to run this business. Mm -hmm. And uh, literally, I said to them and our business partner at that point said, um, I don't know if this will be here when I get back. You know, yeah. just do your best. And when I return, if it's still here, then we'll be off to the races. I'll be writing the next business plan as to where growth is going to be while I'm away. Yeah. And so, uh, so that is a big, big deal. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I told you about the business that, uh, that I was in that was providing the income. Mm -hmm. And that was supposedly, we put a manager in place who was going to provide enough income so that, uh, uh, you know, uh, my wife and kids could have a little bit of income because the coffee shop certainly weren't providing that yet. Yeah. And, uh, and he decided that he could do things better than how I'd asked him to do it mm -hmm. and ended up uh, losing a lot of money compared to the money that he was going to make. So we really had a tough, tough uh, first couple of years of the business yeah. where, you know, like you're getting another roadblock thrown in your way and you have to overcome that and you're, you know, jumping a bigger hurdle every time. And uh, so then when I returned uh, from prison and uh, we reunited as a family and literally um, within a week of being back, it was like it had never happened and we were mm -hmm. off to the races mm -hmm. and that's when we negotiated and uh, got our third location in Linden yeah. and uh, started that ball rolling of where we are today. It's crazy. So now everyone thinks you're probably a murderer or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Or that business was like, like a drug dealing business or something. Right. And so maybe all, we all should just above. leave them in suspense for a little bit. <laughs> but, um, but so it's now, I mean, since you brought that up, so now how, how did all of that happen? I mean, now, now give us a little bit of a history of, um, man, what was the, what was the charges against you and, mm -hmm. and how did that all unfold? Yeah. Well, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I, I did end up going to prison on one count of mail fraud. And, uh, M A L E? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, no. M A I L. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you. Uh, I was never good at spelling. Uh, so, uh, and it all stemmed from uh, an event that happened 10 years before we opened uh, the woods. And uh, uh, at that 10 year mark, I was bitten by a mosquito and I contracted a case of viral encephalitis. Uh, it's a deadly disease that uh, uh, in the same week that I uh, contracted it, there were seven total people in the same park that contracted it. Mm. And I'm the only one that lived out of those seven people. Really? I so, didn't know that. Yeah, so it's a really, it's it's a bad wow. deal. Uh, well, you had to look at her to say, Well, I just didn't confirm. know she knew that. Yeah, I knew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is, this is true? <laughs> I, was, I was alive at this point. <laughs> no, but I mean, I was only, I was really little, so yeah. I totally remember. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I uh, got bit by the mosquito, and uh, fortunately, I had a uh, insurance policy that uh, paid me for disability, and I was literally on my back for an entire year. And uh, so uh, during that time, recover, and then uh, we go about five years into this, and uh, this is still all pre-woods, um, yeah. and, uh, and I'm being paid uh, for disability. And I would check in monthly, doctor would, you know, sign off and 
then I get a check. And uh, uh, eventually, uh, you get down to the five-year mark, and that's kind of a, a marker as to whether you're permanently disabled or whether you can return to work. And we agreed with the insurance company that I could return to work, and we signed an agreement that said, hey, this has been a good business relationship, we're done, and uh, we move on. Um, and uh, so a uh, five-year period equals 60 months, right? And uh, they, after I had signed the agreement, they uh, came back and said, oh, by the way, we made a mistake and we'd given you 61 payments. And so could you please mail that one check back uh, to us? Um, and that's the beginning of the uh, um, breakdown of this whole thing because uh, I was being entrapped at that point uh, the insurance company knew what they were doing, and by asking for that check back, it crossed state lines. And then at a later date, they went back to the FBI and said, um, we now uh, think that this guy did us wrong, and we want you to investigate, and we have this uh, check that crossed state lines, which allows us to open this up as a mail fraud situation. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a convoluted way, but it's a, a common, commonplace uh, within uh, some of these uh, insurance companies. And so uh, uh, the FBI started investigating, and then about another four and a half years go by. So now we're nine and a half years past the incident, and uh, they indicted me on that one count of mail fraud, mm -hmm. uh, knowing that they win every single one of their cases. Uh, well, that's not true. They win 96% of cases and that they would come to me with an offer in compromise. So what they were coming after me for was five years in prison and three quarters of a million dollars. And so uh, the attorneys at that point said, uh, it's in your best interest just to sign whatever agreement they come back to you with uh, an offer in compromise mm -hmm. and uh, just take whatever they offer. So when they slide that piece of paper across the table, rather than take five years that they you know go to trial and risk five years uh, where they win 96% of the time, uh, just sign that agreement. So they came with a piece of paper and it was for one year in prison. And so I signed up for that. And uh, um, yeah, take one of those please. Yeah, I'll take one. Uh, <laughs> and it, 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 it seems funny now and it's, you know, uh, it, we're lighthearted about it as a family. Yeah. We, we have fun with it, um, uh, as much fun as you can have. Um, but uh, it, it's, it was the beginning of, of even a, a uh, more involved part of the story mm -hmm. uh, because uh, we kind of set an agenda for this is how long I'll be there, I'll get out, we can continue with the business, and everybody was kind of pointing towards that date. And uh, uh, during the time in prison, they came to me and said, by the way, uh, you'll be um, taken when you're out of prison to INS prison, and you'll be prepared for deportation back to your home country of Canada. Uh, with a lifetime ban of ever entering the United States. And so that's all in motion. And, you know, that was kind of shocking to us all because we didn't sign that in agreement. Yeah. Uh, it's just a byproduct. Mm -hmm. And so um, the idea that uh, that was going to happen was really devastating to the family. It was very hard. And we spent uh, a lot of the time in prison trying to fight that and find legal ways around it. Uh, and as it came down to it, uh, um, as I was getting out of prison, we were uh, just uh, less than two months away from both of our daughters getting married, yeah. and uh, we're not sure if they're going to get married in Canada, the U.S., where's Wes going to be, you know, kind of thing. And uh, this kind of changes the dynamics of the business and our business plan and all that. And uh, so uh, I get one meeting before a judge uh, that uh, just makes a decision as to whether you're actually going to be deported or not. And uh, again, the odds are stacked against me. Almost everybody gets deported. And uh, 
he uh, saw favor uh, or wanted to bestow favor on me and, and chose uh, to allow me to stay here and not only stay here, but apply for citizenship, which I have now mm-hmm. and I'm a proud member of uh, the United States. So uh, it's been, a, it, that was a, a really interesting time. Yeah. Uh, I returned uh, from prison and immediately both my daughters get married and uh, they're, they're kind of the uh, um, heart and soul of the company at that point because yeah. they're the face of the company in the stores mm-hmm. um, along with others. I mean, obviously we can't do it with just two people, but you know, there's, there's lots of people involved and we're doing our thing, but they, they get married. Uh, you joined the family, which is awesome. Yeah. And uh, I hardly knew you at that point. Yeah, I think uh, we met in prison. Yeah, something like that. Well, I was in yeah. prison. You were in prison. Well, I've said that to a few people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we met in the visiting yeah, room or right. whatever you call it. So the uh, <laughs> the idea of of, of uh, um, overcoming obstacles, right? Totally. That's the lesson through all this in entrepreneurship that you're going to be faced with certain challenges, and people like the romantic part of starting a business <laughs> yeah. and what that looks like, uh, but when it starts getting tough, and you know you're having to put in 80 hours a week, and you don't have a social life, and you have mm-hmm. to do all the things you have to do. Um, it changes and, yeah. and not everybody's made to do that. And so um, they have to be prepared and know um, how hard that's going to be. And in our case, it was harder than most. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I remember that time, you know, vividly. And that was almost, how long ago is that now? 12 years? No, it's no, 15. 15 years, yeah. So it's, as long as we've been married, so it's yeah. f- 15 years, yeah. um, 16 years almost. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was probably the hardest thing the family has ever had to go through. Um, yeah. Especially, I mean, your wife Diane. Um, you know, she kind of got handed <laughs> a lot, right? Right. You know, two teenage boys at that time, mm-hmm. two responsible girls, yeah. but two reckless teenage boys. They're they're pretty crazy. <laughs> we'll, we'll give them that. Um, but you know, just a lot of like trials for a family yep. to go through um you know right at the beginning here's bit here's business that is nowhere near you know smooth sailing and you know you go away to prison for a year um and we're visiting you know every weekend or something but but life goes on and it you know you somehow like you somehow just do it and right. you yeah you pick yourself up and you just do it and then pretty soon it's over and it's, it's back to that plan A, right? Yeah. There is no plan B. Like, you know, what do we do? Fold our tent and go home? Yeah. You know, it's like uh, this is where the, you persevere and make it happen. Yeah. So um, in that time where you, you get the insurance company kind of coming after you, um, so they're basically thinking or suspecting you of fraud, insurance fraud. Well, insurance fraud, but they yeah, couldn't yeah, prove absolutely. it, right? Right. They couldn't necessarily go after you for that, mm-hmm. but mail fraud, they know they could win that mm-hmm. case. And so, yeah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard all those details, so it's just coming in like yeah. kind of fresh as everyone else is. But um, that's, that's interesting, and it's crazy all in the same. So what's your mindset during all of that? You know, because you, you know, like, what do you do? Like, you're like... You didn't purposefully, you know, you didn't steal money. You didn't do any of that. Like you were just trying to do things the right way. And all of a sudden, like you're, you're like getting attacked by an insurance company 
essentially like how do you how do you deal with that yeah well it's a uh you know many people have said you know aren't you bitter you know or yeah. you know isn't that hard for you to forgive or mm-hmm. you know how do you move on from that um and honestly um it was an adventure. Uh, I viewed everything in my life as an adventure, and uh, it was just one more adventure, probably uh, not the uh, um, nicest, cushiest adventure I've ever been on. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's one of those things where you have to uh, make a decision, like what is it that's important to you? And, uh, and that was a time of my life where I just you know, knew if we could just get through this, we can move forward. And so um, you kind of set your sights on on things uh, out in front mm-hmm. and things above, and uh, you you know look forward to uh, better days. And uh, uh, we did that, and knowing that uh, um, you know it was just a time, a juncture, and if we can get through this, then we can uh, move forward. Yeah, I think that you um, are a really great example of having a positive mindset. And I think that you've shown us how far that can go. If you, like you just explained, have a positive outlook on what's going on in your life that could seem like something that could just crush you and that, yeah, some people might never be the same um, for, you know, the, for the worse, not for the better, but you chose to say, it's an adventure. This is my life. This is what's happening. I'm going to choose a positive mindset. I'm going to choose to look ahead to the future which then I think is a result of your success happens through that mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot to learn there and you're a real example of it. So I think sometimes we hear those things, oh, just have a positive mindset. Oh, just think right. positively and it's mm-hmm. gonna be great. Mm-hmm. But you're living proof of that's true and that you didn't let it stop you. It didn't let it crush you. You know, We could have easily been in a far worse situation, I think, if you wouldn't have had that positive mindset, even for us, the other members of your family, to say, hey, it's okay, we're just going to push through this, we're going to figure it out, we're going to keep going, our dream is still the same, our plan is still the same, we're not going to let this Mm -hmm. derail us. And that's what I think, that's why we're still successful today, I think, is that mindset. Yeah. Well, and for anybody who's listening and hears this story, uh, it oftentimes becomes a matter of perspective. Right. Uh, we, we think we're having a bad day or that, uh, you know, something isn't going quite right. And then uh, we hear a story of someone who has had to deal with something and overcome a challenge. Mm-hmm. I, I think it puts uh, some of these minor things in perspective and makes us really like, OK, I can do this because, you know, obviously people have overcome greater challenges. And in those days, I mean, you know, I, I can't emphasize enough how uh, on the edge, we always were financially to make this happen. It wasn't like we just had money and we start new stores and, you know, like this is easy. Uh, we had to be very diligent about how to do that, how to juggle and make that all work, uh, which is really, um, I think, what most entrepreneurs do. And uh, they figure out a way to uh, make it work. And uh, eventually, you know, it catches up. And in our case, it caught up at about store number six, where then, you know, I got to quit working, you know, a job and focus all my energy on, on Woods, which has been, uh, um, you know, the greatest uh, uh, time of my life. And uh, coming back from prison, uh, it's, it's uh, been nothing but fun and games. And for me, it's a matter of perspective, right? Yeah. Uh, there could be a lot worse places to be. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think holding on to what you've been through as a reference point for what you're doing today is kind of what you're saying, right? That's right. the key 
um, when we're going through something today, like, is it as bad as what we went through mm-hmm. 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Right. Yeah. You know, because we're still going through adversity today. Sure. Like always, there's always something in front of us. There's yeah. always a challenge, mm-hmm. whether it's small or big, and that's totally subjective. But whatever it is, like we have to stick with it and we have to keep going and we have to have our sights set on something much bigger than today. Absolutely. You know, so that's great. I think, um, I think that mindset has really established a culture here mm. in the company mm-hmm. and it's challenged people to get out there and, and create something and to, to stir the pot mm-hmm. and to figure out a way to, to solve a problem in a different way that no one's thought of. Mm. Um, and... I think that that just all comes from from trials and just blasting through adversity and just you just keep going. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's really good, man. So so just sort of so now taking our story from 15 years ago when you come back from prison and you um, you we sort of <laughs> like you say we just kind of pick back up where we left off. Things were still in motion when you were gone. Um, so how does that, did that change like the vision for the future at all though? Like when we're talking about like perspective and like challenging things and sort of walking right through adversity, like did it change your mindset? Like did it change the, ver- the vision of the company at all? Where did it take yeah, us? Yeah, I don't think it changed the, uh, our, our plan, yeah. uh, but it energized me in a, in a new way. And uh, here's what we can achieve, you know, moving forward. Yeah. And uh, there, there is something freeing about being out of prison. <laughs> and, uh, I, can, I bet. Uh, if I can use that. And uh, it really gives you uh, energy to think, okay, now I'm free. I can do what I want, yeah. you know, because uh, you spend a year doing something what other people want you to yeah, do. Uh, yep. Yeah. And uh, so, um, yeah, and we could do an entire other podcast on what life in prison is like. You know, I feel that, like we're going to have to do that. that. I was that's just going to say the same that's thing. That's not really Woods related. That'd be a different podcast. <laughs> oh, venue. we got to go there. Though, you, know? really, you got great stories. I've heard some of them. Uh, so, uh, so the, the trajectory of where we go from there is uh, enhanced because now we, we have more energy. At least I do. And uh, uh, for me, in those early years, I think that uh, um, somebody who, who is the leader and a visionary, uh, people just follow because they assume somebody knows they, what they're doing, you know? And, uh, and so I paint the picture oftentimes like it's a done deal and like we know what we're doing and we're just moving forward. Yeah. And then everybody kind of comes around and we just keep going. Yeah. So uh, that's what's happened over the last 15 years uh, since that moment in time. And uh, we get back and literally open a, another store within as fast as we possibly can when I get back. And I, I want the momentum to continue. Uh, and, and then we go on from there. Uh, it took us a while to get that fourth store. And then uh, when we got into five, six, seven, eight, nine, those all came kind of at the same time and uh, coalesced around uh, in 08 when, when the economy was down. Right. And uh, we built a six, six stores in an 18-month period. Uh, and that was exciting because that, that was like, okay, hey, we're, we, we're in a stride. And uh, we didn't, never thought about like, oh, could we lose this because the economy is going right. down, you know, and there's a bad time. Uh, we were super excited and uh, energized and everything seemed to be working right. So um, that gave us a springboard to say, okay, we proved this and we proved ourselves. And then it was just like, then it just kept compounding after that. 
uh, to this day, right? And yeah. so uh, the energy now is around uh, where do we go next? You know, how do we take this from uh, 18 locations to uh, 36 locations, and how do we take it to 50 and and on and on? So um, I'm more excited now than I ever have been. Uh, I think that there's a ton of opportunity and uh, uh, having now been in the uh, Bellevue, King County, uh, Bothell uh, communities now uh, where we built uh, four stores in the last couple of years, uh, that's really shown that we can do distance and we can do um, bigger markets and do them effectively. And so um, we've got a lot of energy there and it's gonna uh, carry us as we continue to grow. Yeah, Um, and one thing I think about when you say that is when we talk about growth and and more stores, more stores, more stores, um, I think some of the challenge um, that that I've heard or I've had to speak to is like, are you guys just trying to like take over the world? You're trying to be the next Starbucks? Like what's the thing here? Like why, like why, why do we have to keep growing? Um, And it's just like kind of a weird thing because you don't really think about it. Um, We don't think about it that much because we love what we do and we like, we see, we see what a Woods store does to a community. Like when a Woods location gets planted, this little tree into a community it's like this it becomes this hub of of people and friendship and and um community right Mm -hmm. yeah lots of activity around there and people kind of assume that space as their office or their meeting space you know and it's just a really cool thing and i think that's the thing that i think of when we talk about growth is uh, the potential of like growing communities in a really cool tangible way um and it also goes into when you talk about building communities mm-hmm. i think it also goes into um uh, building uh employment mm-hmm. you know employment's big. this is you know we we forget the fact that you know it was just a few years ago where you know unemployment was high yeah. and uh you know people were wondering like what kind of economy are we in yeah. what is happening and now we're in robust economy where where you know the unemployment rate is low and um, uh, it gives us opportunity to create jobs, uh, create uh, you know energy into a community. Like when we go into a Bothell community, being the last store we've just opened, yeah. um, you know it's really rewarding to see that number one, we gave some great jobs to some great people yeah. who uh, have bought into what we're doing, and collectively we influence a community. Yeah. And now you're seeing that community rally around and and be a part of that store, mm-hmm. and uh, that's meaningful to us and uh, to plant those uh, places in these uh, uh, different areas throughout the Pacific Northwest has been awesome. Yeah, yeah, just like that relationship component that happens, you know, once you go into a uh, location, like all the relationships that come out of just one store is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you're a big part of that. Like you get to you get to kind of shake hands and, and be a part of the community um, in most of them. And so it's just such a cool thing that often sort of kind of just happens, but it's cool to reflect on it and actually um, like be really clear about like it's not just growth for growth for growth. Like we're not just trying to turn out coffee. Like it's really like this community thing that we're trying to um, bring to different environments. And so, well, and part of, part of it is too, that, uh, if you're not growing, you know, you're dying. Right. And mm-hmm. so yeah. uh, a lot of what we do is, uh, the growth is not just for the sake of growing, but it's, we're building an organization. There are people that 
really rely on us to continue to grow, yeah. to fill different jobs and different roles in our company. Mm -hmm. uh, people that come to us as baristas and grow through a company, people have worked for us for 10 years in the stores and how they can move into a different uh, role and how they can advance. That's the kind of generational thing that I would like to see yeah. as uh, we continue to grow this. Man, that is, that's so good. Um, man, well, thank you so much for sharing. Um, you know, it's like as far into your life as we could possibly get in like an hour. Um, but I think we will have to come back for, for episode number two and get a little bit into the life, the life of a, um, you know, a chain gang prison guy or yep. whatever. Because <laughs> um, there's some fun stories in there that I think people will love um, that I've heard. Um, but we usually try and end our podcast with um, a story of something great that is happening hmm. um, within the company, something great that a guest has reached out to us with. Um, that just wanted they just wanted to share the story so these are the stories we're sharing um i know you have one you always have so many stories i feel like i could just go like that and you'll have a story you know one of the greatest See, stories <laughs> was uh, at our mount vernon location when a uh, woman emailed me and said um i met my now husband uh in your store it was a blind date and we had set this up so that we could go to a coffee shop and I wanted a, an avenue of escape and I actually had a friend of mine that was uh, supposed to call me at a certain point <laughs> and I was gonna take the call and leave. And, uh, uh, but I stayed and she said, and I stayed eight hours. Wow. And uh, I got to know this man in this booth. And uh, so mm -hmm. I am, uh, uh, when she called, said, I'm calling to ask if we can buy that booth because we want our home <laughs> to be started with this experience. Yeah. And uh, that's the kind the of booth stuff. that they sat out yeah, for the, eight the hours. The same booth. Yeah. That is amazing. And they only wanted that one booth. You know, like yeah. we don't want anything else. And don't custom make one. We want that one. Yeah. And uh, so um, those are the kind of things that uh, happen in our stores that are meaningful, they're life-changing, mm -hmm. and uh, the love story aspect of a coffee shop yeah. is pretty enormous. Yeah. And, uh, Lots I of mean, dates happening. Yeah, absolutely. First dates, uh, you know, uh, proposals, yeah. uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. We've actually had weddings in our stores. Yeah. We've had people that have come from their weddings in, you know, full uh, suit and and uh, and wedding dress yeah, to yeah. take a picture in our store because that's where they met. Yeah. You know, so that's the kind of stuff that is uh, rewarding because it's one of those things that people will, uh, you know, carry the rest yeah. of their lives. We just had a proposal yesterday too yeah, that I, I heard saw that. on social media. It's so, so cool, man. Like people just, it's, think about it though, like it's their store. Like, sure. Like we build these stores, and it's like it's theirs. Absolutely, like, come on in. Like the, it is their store. But that's what we want, right? <laughs> that's yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's exactly why they're there. Yeah, that's that's incredible. <laughs> Here's the booth in their house that they yep. now get to eat at or whatever. Exactly. So cool, um, man. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Wes, for being on the podcast. Um, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you review. Uh, and pass this, uh, this podcast on to whoever you think it would be beneficial to. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week.